want to get service, selection, and price so low. The record archive is the place to go. Welcome back, season six. How yes. was your week? Uh, my week was okay. How was your week? My week was okay, too. I Just okay. And why are we talking about our weeks? Because people want to know. All right. Other than that, season six, episode 131. We're starting it off with a great guest, Travis and Davina. He's here to tell us about Christ and his proof of concept for his movie, Blue Murder, Coming to theaters soon. I like it. You do? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know if it's going to be in theaters, but... It should be. It should be, yeah. And he's going to tell us all about that. So Right now. Enough of this rambling. Let's get into it. Travis? Yes? Welcome back. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for starting off season six with us. Yes. Oh, is this the first episode of season six? Yep. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes downhill from there. <laughs> or wait, you can only go up. You can only go up from here. <laughs> Punching up with Travis and Navina. <laughs> so so yeah. you've had a lot going on. You have a few things to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, before we get into that, um, mm -hmm. we wanted to ask you about what's going on with Christ. Okay. Um. We heard that you might be recording a demo soon and that you have a show with Nuclear Assault coming up. Yes. The plan is to keep working, keep moving forward, and to, uh, you know, it's funny because of the pandemic, I didn't want, I'm sure a lot of bands felt this way. I didn't want our next show to feel like a comeback show, but in a way that's okay if it does, yeah. because then it's going to feel even more like an event, and if our first show to come back with is the nuclear assault show then it's that make that just kicks ass that's uh, just yeah. rules yeah that just that's just fucking awesome so um yeah the intention of christ christ is what is it like is risen <laughs> christ is coming <laughs> yes back <laughs> um so yeah so the the intent. Well, it's funny too because we do have a few new songs that don't sound new to us because mm -hmm. um, we've been playing them throughout the pandemic. So um, these are songs that uh, I have to like sometimes remind myself and the other guys, like, guys, nobody's heard this yet. The song rules, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think a part of us is just like, because a part of, because what we'll do is that we'll, I'll write a song together. And there have been times where we've written a song where it's like, oh, this isn't working. Oh, this has too many ideas. Or can we extract the the an element from this one and make it cooler, you know? <clears throat> and um, I think what happens with a lot of us is that we finally write a new song where all the parts work. Mm -hmm. It's not even that they fit, they work. Because yeah. you can have a song with parts that fit, but does the song work? Yeah, you know, right. Does yeah. it evoke the right kind of feeling? Does it feel right? It doesn't have to be perfect, but does it feel right? Mm -hmm. yep. And we'll make a song that feels right. And I feel like that what we do is we play it at nauseum to the point where we can play it right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then once we do, sometimes I won't name names of one of the guys will be like, oh, I'm sick of that song. 
God damn it. Because it was work to get there. Yeah. But that's, but what they don't realize or what we sometimes don't realize when we're in the moment, because we're the people making the songs and we're not just listening to them. Mm. That's going to sound different to us, obviously, than when we unleash Absolutely. Them onto an audience or, yep. you know, um, and, uh, you know, so I have to sometimes tell the guys and myself being like, people haven't heard this yet, so let's play it. It's going to yeah. be cool. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, so, um, yeah, so that's the thing. It's the th- I, I just, I just want to keep moving. Mm-hmm. I just want to keep moving forward. When I don't remember. I don't know if you do. Uh, when was the last show you played? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say it was Photo City. I want to say it was Photo City too. But I don't remember who it was with. So much of you know, my mind has been occupied and distracted with so much that. Uh, if I were to see like a photo or a video from that show, I'd be mm. like, oh yeah, this happened, this happened, this yeah. happened, this happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it might be the show. I think our last show might be the show where there's a f- picture of me somewhere on social media where I have like six cheeseburgers stacked up on one another and I'm just taking whole like palm full bites out of it <laughs> right after the show. And I think that might have been the last show. <laughs> Were um, you wearing a purple blazer? I was. Yep, that was it. That was it. That yep. was the last show. Yep. That was I don't a- remember who else was playing. Neither though. do I. Oh, um... Was Gates there? Yes. Yeah. Gates of Paradox, and that's... And if somebody mentioned the other bands, I would I would know. Uh, I think... Oh, was it Nunslaughter? Nunslaughter. Was it that Yes! One? Yeah, it was that yes. show, Nunslaughter, yeah. Okay. Man, it was the Nunslaughter show. Us. It was the Nunslaughter show, yeah, that we played. And I remember afterwards, um, one of the guys in one of the other bands was like, where are you guys from? It's like a movie. And I was like, <laughs> Rochester. <laughs> We're local. <laughs> guys play out? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> we don't, I don't know if we're ready. And they were like, you're ready. You're ready. You got to play out. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess 2020 is our year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. so. Here comes COVID. Mm-hmm. So that I think that was close to, not quite, but almost two years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd say so. Been a while. Yeah, yeah, it has. Well, we're looking forward to Absolutely. it. Absolutely, can't Me wait. Too. Oh man, not only am I, <laughs> not only do I, uh, not only am I in the band Christ, but I also enjoy the band mm. Christ. You're a fan. <laughs> yes, I'm That's a fan true. of my own band, so <laughs> I look forward to playing. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. So, um. The demo, did you... Can you talk about that? Well, we don't have a new demo mm. out yet. Are you writing new material? Well, we have songs that we haven't recorded yet that would be new for our recording. So yeah. there would be a new song on it. There would be one of our old songs that we love that we tried recording previously, but we didn't like how it turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're writing new... How do I put this? Right now, we're so focused on preparation of recording mm-hmm. And the um, and of the show that we do have new songs new to the public that may sound old to us because we've been playing them for the past year and yeah. a half, or that we've written since our last show. Um, but our but our next tape will be a combination, maybe like one of the newer songs, and then three of the older ones. But we're not but new to us. New to us, yeah, or songs that we haven't recorded yet. So it's um, 
we're not re-recording any of our old songs. Okay, okay. That's mm-hmm. what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And can we expect new songs, new to the public songs yes. for the Nuclear Yes, Assault yeah, show? for the show. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Yes. Nice. That is yeah. fantastic. Word. Agreed. So. <clears throat> really excited. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's, um, it's hard. It's exhausting. Because, not so much the work that I'm investing into the band because... Because uh, the way my mind works is that I'm a, uh, I feel like I'm a mouse on a spinning wheel, but I never stop. And if the owner tells me to stop, uh, of the mouse obviously is like stop. I'll stop until they leave the room, then I'll keep jumping. Yeah, and keep spinning, <laughs> just the way my brain works. Uh-huh. So, um, the uh, what is it? The uh, recording demo. I lost train. Oh, I just I took I thought of one too many things all at once. And now I got to recalibrate. It's exhausting. <laughs> oh, yes. What's exhausting is, um, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I'm just saying it's like always a learning curve. And I'm sure there's a way that I can streamline it, but I've done it. I've done it for so long in such a way without any like real proper training or insight is playing lead guitar and quote unquote singing at the same time. Yeah. And making sure that those two uh, mindsets cal- like uh, go in sync. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're 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 gonna be playing a cover at the show, and I gotta. That's just like another song I have to learn to sing and play at the same time. Because mm-hmm. I also got to do the solos. Mm-hmm. So it's just I I want the challenge. I want to do it, and and it's not until I let somebody else down will I feel like I failed. Yeah. So <laughs> so I'm always willing to give everything a try unless someone who I'm invested who's invested in me is like this actually isn't working. Mm. Um, but so far it seems to be. So I can't, I, so there's a, so I'll keep going until someone tells me no. And then I'll be like, do you not want me to? Because that's your problem <laughs> or, or am I making right. it your problem? So, right. right. Can you tell us what the cover is or is it going to be a surprise? It's a surprise. Okay. Don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so I'm going to sidebar for a second. Give so it to me. I've been learning the piano. Cool. I've always wanted to do that. And it's really hard. Yeah. Um, and I am no musician by any means. Mm-hmm. But as a fan, watching a front person who plays an instrument, I've always been like, wow, that's got to be so hard. But I never really appreciated it until I tried to sit down at the piano and mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, man. So like I would learn like, you know, half of a song. And I'd be like, oh, you know, just like hum along <laughs> to it. And it's like, eh, 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 Yeah, eh, right. Eh. Yeah. And then my fingers don't work or I don't yeah. remember the lyrics. That shit's really hard. I give yeah. you a lot of credit. Well, thank you. It's also really funny too because there have been times where I had to like, I had to instead of what I put this, knowing, being consciously aware of my patterns and the ways I work, and also knowing my limitations. Like knowing that it takes me three times to do something that is rather simple or mundane for the average person in order for me to get it means that, okay, well, maybe I should wake up a little earlier or let someone know right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So um, they're not, uh, so they don't project too much of an expectation to either have on themselves or uh, on me to do it in the way that they want it to be done. Yep. Because it doesn't mean that it won't be done that way or it doesn't mean that it won't work. <laughs> it just means, hey, I need a moment. We can work with me here. I'm not mm-hmm. asking you to enable me or give me a, a handicap Mm -hmm. what i'm saying is um i have a bit of a process Mm -hmm. and once uh i once i pursue once i work through that process it will work yeah so 
Um, so for example, when I'm learning to sing and play at the same time with certain songs, especially our new ones, I know that I'm going to be so focused on maintaining the vocal place and the vocal rhythm that it's going to screw up my guitar playing. And I need to hear how my guitar playing sounds when it's wrong in order for me to know how to make it work. Like I have to retrain mm -hmm. basically um, certain uh, was certain mumble muscle memories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so that was something that was hard for some of the other band members to adjust to where I had to basically tell them in order for this to work for everybody, I have to turn my guitar down so it's not so much of a distraction from everybody else. Mm -hmm. Because being the lead guitar, it's obviously got to be front and center. Mm -hmm. So I would tell them, let me turn down. Let me have the guitar in my hand. Let me try to play it. But keep my vocals turned up mm -hmm. so I can maintain the vocals. And I'm listening to everything all at once and trying to figure out a, a what's it called? A, uh, like a navigation through it all. Yeah. And sometimes there would be practices where someone would be like, listen, man, can you just like go home and like <laughs> play it on the guitar? And I was like, yeah, but I'm also not playing to your drumming. Yeah. Also, it helps to hear the song as a whole. Like, just let me turn down. We have another guitarist. <laughs> Follow his rhythm. Yeah. Let me maintain it. And um, once they were able to understand that mm. or at least adjust to it i should say it's not that they didn't understand it but it got a little better <laughs> you know, a, little, a, yeah. little, a little better for me to uh structure it navigate it yeah so yeah. right now cool. word do you do you ever practice making a mistake and recovering from it like give me an example like what do you mean like when you're playing like instead of just stopping when you make a mistake oh, and like yeah. figuring out well, how to correct it. Well, yeah, we well when we play live, especially, mm -hmm. um, we play the whole song, and if we ever make a mistake, we just fall back into place. Yeah, that's the problem. Is though, is that a lot of us are so neurotic, and I'm speaking, um, you know, with myself included, mm -hmm. that sometimes they f we will focus only on that one mistake. Yep. Yeah, I think and, a lot of you guys do that. Yeah, and to, but that's also counterproductive because. Yep. Um, if you're thinking more about the faults than the successes or the ways to overcome such, yeah. and I don't mean falsely. I mean, like knowing that we're, we're a good band, mm -hmm. <laughs> we're all good at what we do mm -hmm. and that, um, <clears throat> and that people can hear the song, even if we fumble mm -hmm. or flub a note or two, it's mm -hmm. not like an entire bar. It's not like an entire section. It's not like a whole verse or it's not like the song is so f is like a a number one oversaturated hit and then played live you could tell that it's either not working or nobody knows how to actually play it mm. you know it's it's um the energy's there the song is there despite maybe a few hiccups that yeah. that maybe hiccups to uh, to the standards that we have to ourselves right i had i would always wallow in the um void of self-defeat um and it was actually killing me yes. uh and i had to again punch up out of it because in a way i was trying to how do i put this by remaining in fear i was trying to like absolve myself of any initiative mm. or of any responsibility or of any attempt at growing by by 
falling victim to myself and finding justifications to be a victim mm-hmm. um, was not only like was not only just counterproductive to myself, but was also killing those that were invested in close to me. Yeah. So, um, I'm not saying, uh, don't, I'm not, I'm not saying don't care, but I'm also saying like, uh, bring a broader perspective Mm -hmm. and stop making yourself basically the singular, um, protagonist in your self-constructive na- uh, narrative, yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> so then it makes you feel justified in anything you do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a time in which you can do that, mm-hmm. but I think people generally have a hard time <laughs> understanding when to take responsibility and when it's not their responsibility. I think my wires would be crossed where I'd be like, I would take responsibility for everybody else's problem, but then when I brought a problem, mm-hmm. I would be defensive and evasive mm-hmm. and I had to find ways of not doing that because that also those emotions and that mindset can kind of feed its way into a unit we're trying to work towards a common goal mm-hmm. that's making music but we are all extremely passionate and we all don't want to fuck up for ourselves or for others right and you know and then the in the ways in which you rationalize or cope or don't of your with your insecurities will come forth will come through so if you're putting on a show, especially, you know, you know, it's like funny for me to say, because I'm not just in this band that I love. I love the music that we make. So mm-hmm. if I didn't, wasn't in this band, I would also be a fan of it. Mm-hmm. So when, um, so when I just get this feeling that if people are enjoying us, there's like a mutual love that's happening. And if I screw up, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't be a better musician. It means that I'm human mistakes are going to happen, but people will look past those mistakes because mm. they're only mistakes. Yeah. Like a mistake is what you do when you don't know any better or, or when um, it's not like, you know, it's not like I blew off practice, showed up at the show and didn't know the songs. Right? Yeah. You know? Like I'm going to fuck this up on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I didn't <laughs> fuck it up on purpose. And also it's like, I, um, and also if I make, three mistakes out of a 40 minute set and those mistakes are recoverable yeah it's gonna be okay right (laughs) and i promise you unless somebody is like following along with your tabs (laughs) exactly nobody is recognizing Mm -hmm. your fuck-ups yeah only you guys absolutely i've had to try and tell the band this it's true i've had to try and sit them down and be like um why would you want to torture yourself being in a band if you're just gonna like hate yourself every time you express yourself Uh you know so that also comes from me though where i'm like it's weird it's like i'm not afraid to my biggest fear now i think the last show i said my biggest fear was that i'm not afraid to exceed and i'm not afraid to fail because i'm willing to give anything a try now now since then my biggest fear is not succeeding and i don't mean succeeding in not fucking up but not giving something my all Mm -hmm. that i um, that is something I feel compelled to fulfill that brings stimulation, fulfillment and joy. Like mm-hmm. I, if I don't pursue, uh, a, a, a uh, what is it? <clears throat> if I don't pursue a journey that doesn't, um, <sighs> express a particular part of myself that I feel that I need to, <laughs> mm-hmm. then I feel like I'm like, I'm dead or that I'm dying. Yeah. Like an yeah. action equals death. So, yeah. um, mm-hmm. um, I'll make a long story short. We're a good band. 
And we need to believe that we are too. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and come out to Nuclear Assault. Yes. And yeah. come out to the show. God damn it. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. So we can we transition into yeah, yeah. Give it to me. Your, your project. Yeah. Tell yeah. us what your project. I'm just going to use the term project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But cool. It's, it's yeah, we'll let you label yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Sweet. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. Okay. So, I'm I'm going to make a goddamn movie. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a motherfucking movie. It's the one thing I've, over, I've ever wanted to do in my whole life since I was 10 years old. And I'm not even saying make a movie. I want to, of course, I want to make movies, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't think, I don't know. It's like with the advent of modern technology, you can make them. Like when, like a lot of aspiring filmmakers are artists. Well, sometimes when they do get the chance to meet somebody who works in the industry or has made something that people can see, let's say, uh, you know, media, movie specifically, like if there's a screening and the artist is there, some people will be like, how do, um, like, what advice do you have for an aspiring filmmaker or how can I make movies? And it's like, well, nobody said you couldn't make movies. Like, with the advent of modern technology, you can make a whole fucking film on your goddamn phone with mm-hmm. te- with quality that is theatrical quality, mm-hmm. theater film quality, major studio quality. So what it is, what what they're not asking is the right question. What they're not, what they're what they should be asking is what is my expectation of myself? What do I want to pursue and to accomplish? How do I pursue and accomplish that? You know, I wouldn't ever want to be like the next Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, he's fucking cool, but I'd also want to be the first Travis and Davina. Yes, mm-hmm. you know? I like it. So, like, that's the thing. So, um, also, a lot of people, I think, what they do is they they feel most validated as a what instead of a who. Mm-hmm. So, with the advent of brand loyalty and with a lot of you know major you know film studios in general a lot of the major corporate uh with disney monopolizing and buying everything mm-hmm. essentially um you know basically capitalizing on millennials uh, obsession with nostalgia you know it's just easier to say oh i like movies cuz i watch them or i yeah. like music cuz i listen to it and so then you begin to pursue um, or you, you, you feel like you identify with the product. So then you essentially try to commoditize yourself because at first it becomes fun. Like who doesn't want to look as cool as a punk that you see on like an album cover in a movie? Who doesn't want to look as cool as a fucking metalhead that you mm. see in an album cover in a movie? Mm. Like that looks cool. I want to be that guy. I can be okay. So this is fun. This is a costume that makes me feel like I'm, um, uh, touching a part of myself that I don't know how to otherwise express, but then it becomes diluted into no, this is all of who I am because there was a time. Cause I feel like there are a lot of people who feel this way. I feel like there was a time where living in my like, um, lower middle-class, uh, suburban, uh, life during my adolescence when i knew that i liked metal and i knew that i liked horror movies how can i make a sandwich in the most metal or horror movie way how can i look cool and be badass in the way that like maybe in the scenes of the movie that i'm watching that they don't show you Mm -hmm. and that how they do that Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and it's and it's ludicrous because um People, I also think, to cope with their ambivalence to life, will think in holes. Like, and I mean, like W H O L E, like yeah. in a whole sense of something. So they don't think of the complexities or in the or in the vulnerabilities of what it is to be human. You become a character. You become a caricature, mm-hmm. and then you feel like you can only endorse or like things that essentially validate this this uh 
this philosophy, not so much a moral philosophy, but this almost this like identity that mm-hmm. you've created for yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really frustrating because now that I'm on this journey of making a movie and for so long, I was so afraid to do so. And at one point, and I'll be straight up, I'll be totally honest. I did. I, this was going to, this was my journey a few years ago, like back in 2016, um, 2016. Yeah. Back in 2016, I was like, okay, I'm going to make a full length movie. I'm going to go big or go home. And I it was able to raise some money, some money my friends and I put into ourselves. But um, it turned out to be a fucking disaster because uh, not only was I horribly inexperienced, but I was also like relinquishing. I was, there was a big paradigm shift occurring that when we started the project, we weren't aware of. And we all, in a way, began to outgrow each other. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our priorities became different. You know, you have like a lot of like, how do I put this? Like basement dwelling young white males <laughs> that have little to no life experience who live vicariously through movies, and that's all they know. And then they're working on this thing that they think they have figured out, yet they've never done it before in their life. Add in, like, sexual repression and social and resentment and um, uh, defensible egos, and you get a bunch of fucking kids trying to talk, basically jerking themselves off <laughs> one another while trying to make a stupid splatter movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was a and that was a a fucking shitstorm. And I just and being aware of that, I like it snapped. Something happened, and I became aware. And I was like, "Shit, this is not at all how I want this to turn out. This is not at all what I want to be doing." Mm-hmm. Um, but I abandoned the project, and uh, that's one of the reasons I'm taking a huge risk by trying to make this movie. And maybe I'm expecting too much with my naivete, or maybe I already know and I've been through too much shit to say fuck it. And just keep trying anyway, because um, while that movie abandoned, I didn't finish it, especially because a lot happened during the time. My girlfriend had died and I was like, you know what? I don't want to fucking deal with any assholes or anybody or do anything right now. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until recently when I it was not until about a year ago when my son was about to be born. Um, his mother and I weren't working out. Was I beginning to reevaluate, re um reconnect with myself and i basically said i don't want to continue living in fear of what i haven't done Mm -hmm. that's not going to be good for me or for my son right so i said fuck it i'm making a movie and then i decided to pursue the movie that i've always wanted to make when i was 14 but with my 35 year old self doesn't mean that i know everything but and i don't mean necessarily in the process but also in the content of the movie itself Mm -hmm. like what am I trying to say? How do I, how am I saying it? And do I really want to say anything? And that's important to know. Mm. And then it wasn't until I began to admit that all the little things that I was trying to do that I didn't know how to do that while doing other video projects and other movies and other throwaway bullshit, I began to really like, um, I began to see myself in ways I wasn't real aware of like, Oh, I learned this from doing that yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm. I learned this from doing just doing that. Mm-hmm. So I'm making this movie. <laughs> but the thing is, now hear me out. This is the thing. I want the people who are going to be in it to be paid. So I can't obviously afford to make the movie because I also want to make it done. I want to get it done in a timely and efficient manner. And jobs get in the way of that. So as what a lot of you know, filmmakers do or aspiring directors do is that they make a proof of concept, a short movie 
mm-hmm. that sells basically the idea of what the movie is supposed to be mm-hmm. and, and shop it around to help potentially find um, resources, people who know people who are capable of doing things. Like, I need a sound guy. Like, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> just as long as you can hear it and it sounds good, mm-hmm. it doesn't, I'm not. Like, I don't want to work in the film industry. I don't want to work in Hollywood. I just want to make a bunch of really cool fucking movies. Uh-huh. And and so, like, I want to find a core. Now, most of the movies already cast. And they and the proof of concept was essentially, like, the audition. And proof of concept launches tonight, actually. Mm. Um, the video launches uh, on YouTube tonight. So um, the movie's called Blue Murder. And I'm making, I made a short with the intentions of, and I might be asking too much, hopefully private investors that um, either want to see the film made um, because of whatever promise they see in it, or they can offer something and they want the experience. I want a core group of 20 people that includes the cast and the crew, and they will all be paid on a weekly salary. And I want to make the movie... The cheapest I could probably make it for is like seventy five thousand. Mm-hmm. The best I can make it for is two hundred thousand. But that doesn't. But it doesn't. I don't need to necessarily raise two hundred thousand. That's just if I do. Um, and then we all take leave of absence. We shoot this fucker, and it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that people who are investing their money, they want their rights protected. They want to know what portion of the rights that they own. I need legal advice to make sure that that works out because I can't just take the money and run like I've done in the past because I don't feel comfortable doing that again. Yeah. Mm. So, and also if somebody's going to Google my name and see what I've done before, and I'm okay if this gets out there because I, you know, I'm not trying to fucking swindle any, anybody into, uh, into or out of anything. Mm -hmm. Um, they're going to be like, Oh, so I contributed like a few hundred bucks of this thing and it wasn't done. Yeah. Then why would I contribute a few hundred bucks of this other thing, Mm. which is totally fair and valid. But, um, but a lot of it has to put the, how do I put this? Just like, uh, you know, I understand that a lot of people are like, well, I want to know how we're going to sell this, how we're going to make our money back, what the market's going to be, blah, blah, blah. I get it. It makes sense. Not every fucking filmmaker can just be like a, you know, a starving artist with a great vision and then just (laughs) expect everything to come to them. Um, I know I have to learn the game, but, uh, I'm going to fucking die trying, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, because I unfortunately want to do the, God damn it. Like I, what I wish would happen, this probably won't, but what I wish would happen is someone like, you know, like, okay, so tell me about your movie. If I'm giving you money, uh, like what kind of quality do I expect out of the movie? It's like, uh, it's going to be cool. Like, just wait, it's going to be cool. Like, more <laughs> filming, like more art, like more, more artists are filmmakers needed like i get it you can expound and you can theorize and you can justify and explain but whatever you think movie whatever movie you think you're making will be translated or will be read differently to most of your audience like there are people who won't care about what the fuck you're doing people who all i care about is that the movie is good so if people don't like it it's just not their preferred genre it's not that the film failed in its intention of being kind of like the band exactly Mm -hmm. exactly that oh or i like it you know like that in that it is inherently good um it's just not my thing i'd rather that be a valid criticism than being like people could see that it's wrong yeah and i'd rather either the movie be disastrously bad or cool 
than mediocre. Because <laughs> mediocre I get that. than is forgettable. Let's take a break and listen to a Christ song. All right. We're going to hear. Here for your soul.
if someone's just listening to this, what's the best way for them to go look at? Just look up Blue Murder Movie on Instagram. Instagram. And there's a lot of really cryptic pictures and things, just mm-hmm. a lot of seeds that are being planted. Okay. Check that out. And then the video link will be on there tonight. Okay. So, like, if, yeah, if you're listening to this ASAP and you want to know, want to give it a try, want to give it a chance, there you have it. Um, Yeah. Okay. Awesome. It, and you have a YouTube channel, too? I do. I a lot of it's it's just a lot of really cryptic random shit mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing, you know. I don't. How do I put this? Like I'm a personality, but when it comes to expressing myself on social media, it's a platform I haven't entirely adjusted to. You know, including YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's more like I'm just too much of a an in person kind of guy. So like platforms like this, like conversations, I yeah. feel like I really, really uh, shine. <clears throat> but when it comes to selling myself, I don't. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So, you know, but um, is there anything else you want to ask about? Yes. This? Um, can you can you summarize the movie? <laughs> yeah. The movie in basic terms mm-hmm. is uh, and this is going to sound pretty generic, but again, I want it to be <laughs> cool. Um, it's about three debaucherous female friends who come of age when they're forced to fight for survival in the apocalyptic city they call home. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, there are films, my inspirations are aren't the movies that are that it would be compared to mm-hmm. so it would be compared to a movie like death proof for example mm-hmm. which i'm not a big fan of but mm-hmm. there's things i love in it mm-hmm. but um but my inspirations for the film are more like movies like set it off and um a better tomorrow i really like a lot of like hong kong like neo-noir um melodrama action films like john woo movies and mm-hmm. such and mm-hmm. And I wanted to, and in those films, there's a lot of like male homoeroticism, but it's interpreted as male homoeroticism from a Western audience. Yeah. Because uh, Chow Yun Fat was saying in Chinese culture, men talk with men about their lives and about their feelings. Mm. Um, and I was like, well, from our Western point of view, I feel like there needs to, I feel like there's been this attack, the strong attack on femininity. There's this sort of like brand of like, strong empowerment powering female lead but yet it's basically like a bland um genderless character that's uh with a female cast in its place i feel like women are kind of put as placeholders um and they're not as complex or as well developed as um as they get the credit for like a movie like man max free road is cool but i consider it feminist i don't know and i don't think so because anybody could have played um furiosa just because it's played by a woman makes it cool but that's more of like a visual aesthetic than an actual like um than anything that it actually says on a like on a literary or um meaningful <clears throat> yeah. yeah you know like i um and also i think this is also coming from the fact that i was my film school was learning was watching the kinds of movies at an uh, during my adolescence that aren't made anymore. Like mm-hmm. a movie like, <clears throat> like I like films where you feel like you're getting in late, believing early. I like films that are about 98 minutes to an hour and 40 and they say everything they have to. And if they don't, then you rewatch it because there's certain nuggets of fat that maybe not be expounded upon, but mm-hmm. somehow just add to the world that the film takes place in. Yeah. You know, like I like movies where there's enough, 
where there's more ambiguity than there is confusion. So it's almost like as if you're making the movie while you're watching it. Mm -hmm. Like a movie like Ridley Scott's Legend, which is a total taste shaper, is a film that I don't think could be made today unless it was part one of three or unless we had continuous expository dialogue and flashbacks. It's more like, you know, there was a school of filmmaking where I was like, don't fucking tell me where the monster came from. Just show me that it exists, make it look cool, and then keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. You know? As opposed to um, a, a movie nowadays where I feel like you get a few moments of like a cool CGI explosion, mm. but a lot of it is just two and a half hours of people telling you the story instead of showing it to mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm okay if... Um, because sometimes, sometimes movies can be... Not so much style over substance, but the style is the substance. Mm. And that's what I mean that a movie's cool. Like, I want my movie to feel like as if these characters, as if you're visiting their life story at this particular moment. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I feel like the very first Star Wars that came out in 1977, excuse me, would never be made the way, um, if that movie was new now, it wouldn't be made the way it was then. Right, yeah. And I feel like George Lucas didn't intend to make a part one of 50 and had to make the middle end. I feel like he was like, I want to make the type of movie I want to see when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I want to make it look as cool as I thought it did when I was younger. Yeah. So I want to look special effects odd and awesome. And that's what I'm, that's kind of what I'm doing. You know, I guess what it is is that there's a lot of movies that have come close. So I feel like I'm inspired and influenced more heavily by what I don't like than what I do. Mm. I There's a lot of things that I look, watch and read and, and listen to. I'm like, well, why didn't they do that? Or they could have done that. Or I like this idea, but I would not see it differently. And that's where my movie comes, on, comes uh, up. Because when I was younger, I loved the idea of movies like Class of 1984 and Savage Streets. Mm-hmm. But as I got older, I got fucking pissed off at... Um, how much fucking rape is usually in those movies and how they're used as a crutch to not only develop a character, but also to justify the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I figured like, well, w- that's not necessary. That's really lazy. And that's just for like sensationalism and shock. And that's just a very chauvinistic mentality of just being like, Oh, a woman can never be strong unless they start acting quote unquote rational. And that's in a hyper masculine trope where the gun but they still have to be sexy and fuckable. Mm. And I'm like, no, I want to fucking do away with all that. Mm. I just want to, you know, I want to see a woman who's, uh, who's like crying while they're driving their car through someone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because that could, because I feel like that's a little bit more relatable, Mm -hmm. a little more complex within the context of the, how should I say the hyper reality of the genre that is, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. So like, um, yeah, it was, during the pandemic, that was the thing where I was like, I need, to, I, I have this pathological fear that my f- hypothetical future will end in a way, and it's the only way that it will end, and that I equate that ending as, as like, I, I, I have this fear that what, uh, of whatever I do, I will end up in the status quo. I'm thoroughly threatened by the status quo, by, being a Walmart greeter and that's your life. And I know this, that sounds very diminishing because I have nothing but the utmost respect for people who love their job, who like to work, who give them where it gives them purpose, where if the pandemic took their job from them, they didn't know how to adjust and Mm -hmm. they struggled Mm -hmm. and they're just happy to be working again. That's cool. But unfortunately that's not me. Yeah. 
And I feel like that if I don't have an outlet for some sort of creative expression that is all me, to create something that is only me, to attract others that can connect and relate or find a nugget of some sort of like of something that they were like, I understand or I want to understand or I don't get it, but I like it. Where did this come from? Mm. Um, I want to use it as a calling card for the type of people that I, for the kind of people I want to have the kinds of conversations with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just something I've struggled with even at a formative age. Like when I was 10 years old, I knew I wanted to make movies and I saw how dysfunctional some of the adults were in my life. And I continue to see how dysfunctional, not only some of the, not only people who are older than me, but also people who are generally my age. Mm-hmm. Where they like give up, stop trying, or die inside in ways that you may not even be aware. And I, and it wasn't until recently that I realized that I was like, that I feel so threatened by so much because I'm afraid to be a certain way. And when I had my kid, I was like, well, then I'm going to do everything I can that I want to do. So then when he's old enough to have conversations with me, I don't have any like, regrets or I don't have any like uncertainties or I don't have, or I'm willing, I am able to embrace um, certain challenges and conflicts instead of just throwing a, a temper tantrum. Cause it's an inconvenience of, because it inconveniences something that I may not have the time for anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have a question. Give it to me. Might be a little uncomfortable. Give it to me. So perfect world. Somebody sees, your YouTube debut tonight and they're like this fucking rocks and we're going to give you $200,000 to do what you need to do to make this happen. Mm -hmm. What if in a not so perfect world, somebody were to come to you and say, I really love your concept. I want to buy it from you. I'm going to say, then let's get the paperwork and let's get it read and let's get lawyers involved. That's what I would say. I'd be like, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying, but would you be open to it? Because that is now, it's kind of like a record label coming right. in and saying, well, we like what you're doing, but we want to own your music. I would be into it if there was like conversations had. Okay. Like there would be, there would need to be a lot of meetings involved. Would you still want to be included somehow or would? Uh, okay. So you're saying that not so much that they fund the movie, I write direct, I get final cut, and then they own the rights. It's that they want to buy the concept to turn it into yes. whatever. Mm-hmm. No, I would sell them a different idea. I okay. would pitch them another idea I have. Okay. Because I have an idea for, I have a lot of ideas. Yeah, I can imagine <laughs> there's a lot of ideas yeah. up in that noggin of yours. Yeah, there's a few books I still have to write. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, seriously, there's this, there's this, I mean, this is probably a story for another day, but there's this book that I want to write that may that I would love to see and uh, turn into a series if it has any potential, if anybody likes it or wants it. It's just like, yeah, but <clears throat> that's another story for another yeah. day, unless you want to know it, but I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um, but no, I would pitch them another idea. Okay. Cause I want this to be my first movie yeah. and I've already invested the people that uh, I'm already working on it with have already invested so much of themselves into it. Mm-hmm. It would be a disservice to them. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Who's your main characters? So my main characters are played by Mary-Kate Ventura, also known as MK Ultra. She's a local punk DJ. She kicks ass. Um, uh, the controversial and um, notorious Will Carroll, who's uh, the owner of the brand National Teen Set Outsider. He plays a villain in it, naturally. Um, Jenna Consiglio, she's a, uh, a model. Um, she has a very successful Instagram. She's also, I think, a part of a um, a burlesque troupe that I unfortunately 
cannot remember the name of, but she goes by her full name on Instagram. If you want to check her out, she's one of the main characters. And also newcomer Maya Aliyah. She's uh, just a, I don't know, like a beautiful mage, just like a spiritual advisor. <laughs> she's just a kick-ass um, older punk woman, and she's basically the main character. Um, and that's... And also, I have a few other people that I need to reconnect with to see if they're still on board. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Mitrovitz mm-hmm. of Sargus and Caligon. He's in the film. Um, he plays a morally ambiguous character. He kicks ass. There's scenes, all, all of these people that I've mentioned, I've shot short scenes for the proof of concept with them in it as their characters. So there's some footage that you can see. It'll all be on the short, all in the trailer, okay. all in the trailer tonight. So, also, I'm using copywritten music, but no rights are implied or given, and I'm hoping that it could just pass right now. I'm not monetizing the video, so right now it could just pass as like a short, maybe, music video. It's a bit of a mood piece. I've gotten some feedback from it, and two things that I've gotten from it are, I don't know what the fuck is going on, (laughs) and and this looks great for what you did it with. And I don't know how to necessarily take those. Like, it's one thing, it's like, uh, I just want people who don't know me to see it to mm-hmm. give me more. Outside. I need an honest. I need an honest reaction because yeah. also because if you make something, some people are gonna either underestimate you or have an opinion of you that's gonna show through in the way that they evaluate or watch your work, knowing that it's from you. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of occurred too, where people are like, "Wait, when you like, what? What are you doing?" And I'm just like, "What are you talking about?" Like, what's the problem? Then I realized, oh, they think of me as, mm-hmm. a, as like a, as, as a, either like a certain novelty. They think of me in a way that, that is a, like, it just comes out. Like the truth comes out and how they either want to see me or how they might see me. Like an acquaintance who may not know you that well, mm-hmm. who may already have an opinion of you <laughs> or someone who has an opinion of you. And you didn't realize that your personalities were that incompatible until they're like, um, <laughs> that's dumb or like, you know, like it's not as basic as saying that it's dumb, but I've heard some things where people are like, yeah. are you sure you're not just doing this? And I'm like, no, that, why would I do that? And I'm just like, why would you think I would do that? Mm-hmm. That type of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's so. a flip side of that too, where people see you on stage yes. as a front man and see how charismatic you are mm-hmm. and people fall in love with you. And right. then they watch your video and they're like, well, of course I love it. Cause Travis did <laughs> Yeah. It. And that's also kind of you a know? problem too. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, people again, just blindly will uh, appreciate something um, just because they like the person who made yep. it. Yeah. And sometimes for me, that's a little frustrating, yeah. especially if I want to get an honest reaction. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. why, that's why I hope the movie gets made so I can make it for planet earth and not just for mm-hmm. my, you know, little circle. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're done. Do you think that your creative outlets make you a better person in the other areas of your life? I'm not sure if they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if it's necessarily the creativity. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the ways in which 
I am hard on myself that make me a better person. Mm-hmm. I sometimes I, I I'm not even sure how to describe it. There's so just, is it your vulnerability that makes you a better? person? I would think that my vulnerability is what gives is what motivates me to want to be a better person mm-hmm. or to be a good person. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I won't say or take the claim that I'm a good person or that I'm better than anybody else, but I'm motivated. But you're trying. Yes, but I'm trying and I'm always trying, and I have to accept. The fact that if as long as I'm just a few more steps ahead of where I was or what I might have done that sucked, um, I'd rather always just continue uh, that path than to just say one day, well, I made it and I have to and I'm okay if I never make it because if I I don't know, I kind of like the idea of like can of forever living a life that is a constant battle to a fight that is uh that is righteous. Mm-hmm. And what does it oh. even mean to make it? Yeah. I guess, I mean, it's all well, relative. I, well, it is. And I guess it's all subjective. Yes. You know? <clears throat> I mean, what I want to do is I want to be able, well, realistically, I want to at least uh, have a place <laughs> for um, my mom to live comfortably in, um, to have a enough, uh, what's it called, domestic uh, stability for my son to potentially spend weekends and summers with me. Mm-hmm. I want to have at least $500,000 in the bank. I at least want to have remade a Ricky Lake rom-com from the 80s. <laughs> you know, like, I guess making it, I guess it's making sure that those who I love are taken care of and that I too feel like I am on the right path. Mm-hmm. So that's like, those are like, I don't know what's going to get me there, but that's like, what I that's what I want to pursue. That's what I want to achieve. And then then it'll be like, okay, chapter two. You yep. know what I mean? Like now yep. the next step, you know? Yeah. So so yeah, I know they have a lot to learn, but I hope that there is some merit in what I have learned. Mm-hmm. And I hope that merit is can be shown in what I am doing. So weird. Awesome. Thank you. Is it hard to balance um being in a band, being a new father? personal Uh, life and making a film for me no but it's again it's personally and subjective is because the way my psychology and the way my brain is is uh that i'm a there are two mouses in my head (laughs) that represent me there is one mouse who's afraid of everything who's in the corner that has shillings over it and is constantly shaking and then there's another mouse in the other corner um, that's running on a wheel nonstop all the time. Mm-hmm. Very rarely do those mouses meet. Mm-hmm. They know that the other one's there, but one is scared of the one that's always running, and the one is scared that the one is scared. <laughs> and so um, those two kind of dynamics oftentimes motivate me. So mm-hmm. like, uh, if I don't, if I, if I ever feel like I'm too fucking tired to do something, well then fuck it, Travis, make it work. Invest in the time to do so. So lately, no, because I've also started, I've also gone back to work and every job I've ever had, I've hated because I felt like arrested by the job and I just felt like I'm being immobilized, but I planted enough seeds when I wasn't working Mm -hmm. to keep the tracks moving on those trains that I've started Mm -hmm. that I don't feel like I'm being held back at my job. So it's the first job I've ever had where I haven't hated. That's good. It's the first job I've ever had where I've also was like, I'm going to leave early. And then I had to write down on a notepad and make it work. Make it fucking work. Stop making excuses. Stop quitting. You know, um, and that's again, because I'm feeling like 
then just because I fuck up doesn't mean I am a fuck up. Right. And and that doesn't make it okay for me to fuck up in big ways or in intentional ways, you know? Mm-hmm. And if I make a mistake, admit the mistake, but also come up with solutions or try to make it better. Work with the people that you might be letting down. Mm-hmm. You know, just... <clears throat> I just don't want to be afraid of being afraid anymore. And so being in a band is cool because I make the time for that. Where I'm like, one of my... Okay, so we couldn't practice. So I'm also in a, a new relationship. So it's one of those things. And she came up with the... I got to give her credit. She came up with the mouse analogy. So that was cool. So, um, but it's one of those things where it's like, um, I was showing up late, like an hour late to when I'd say I would see my son. Mm. And that made me think of the times I'd been disappointed when my dad was late. And I don't have any excuses to be late other than that. I'm just being, um, an overtired and neurotic baby. And so I started showing up when I felt ready. And that was usually early. And and uh, and I wouldn't don't want to show up too early because that might be the expense of someone who's expecting me. I don't want to disrupt their um, their schedule. So like, so I show up on time for everything, or at least I'm ready to. And mm-hmm. if I know that I'm going to, I at least want to know enough in advance so they know what I know. And um, so yeah, I just make it work. I I um, <clears throat> and to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. You were early today. I was. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Hells yeah. So that's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to say anything. I don't mean if I can't keep a promise, then uh, if I don't know if I can't keep a promise, then don't make the promise. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, no more disappointments, no more bullshit. Uh, so I know that not everybody has the same sort of energy that I can either tap into or force myself to do so. Mm-hmm. So... No, I don't find it hard because I find it kind of liberating to be like, I am capable. I will do. Yeah. And I am doing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like one of those things over the pandemic where I was like, my relationship wasn't working. I was about to have a son. I wasn't working. I needed to stop externalizing myself to myself instead of just saying, oh, well, I can't do this. Because the circumstances aren't just right, or it's not the way how I imagined it, or if I had, or if I had done this differently, I was like, okay, what have I, what do I have now? What am I in control of? Mm-hmm. And that's also like, I feel like how people should also create art. I feel like instead of just holding off or waiting for the world to catch up or their circumstances to catch up to their vision, what they should do is they should challenge themselves and their creativity by understanding their limitations and making their limitations work for themselves, or not even see them as limitations. Like, if you want to make a fucking movie, then look around your house, see what you have, and then learn how to make it look cool. And the big movie idea that you have, nobody said you can't make it, you just won't be able to make it now. So instead of wasting your time, figure out how you're going to make this fucking coffee cup look badass on camera. And if you don't think it's badass, then get creative. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. that's what it is. And it's, that's also like a lesson to learn in life. All right, let's take a three and a half minute break. We're going to hear the song Dissension by Christ. This is coming off of their demo number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
think creativity is a skill that can be developed or is it something that just kind of happens randomly? Well, there's, it's funny. There's imagination and there's creativity. Mm. Creativity is the act of using your imagination to create, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think what it is, again, it goes back to what I was saying about people who feel validated as a what instead of a who Mm -hmm. people are sometimes they don't take the time to really develop enough of their imagination mm-hmm. and when they go to like college for example and they're finally at, for some people who live in these like generally let's say like privileged lifestyles or they just haven't had enough agency or responsibility given to them or enough individuality they mm-hmm. just for whatever reason didn't have enough mm-hmm. and then now they're thrown in an environment where they essentially can make decisions for themselves they almost kind of tap into this like this imagination that's very underdeveloped, a little unrefined, but because they feel like they have a purpose now that they're pursuing, that they're in, that they're, let's say in college or elsewhere, they begin to, they don't reflect or like refine or develop their ideas past their, the idea, you know, like a lot of people who, let's say, for example, go to film school or want to be a writer. A lot of people get stuck on the one idea on that one idea and they don't come up with multiple ideas. Mm. Um, I think what it is is that it's more of an exercise. I just think for some people it comes to them quicker than others. I think there's some people whose minds are just, you know, running a a little faster than other people and then come up with 10 ideas by the time someone comes up with the one, Mm -hmm. um, or they can adapt to their environment better or different. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't mean that the person on the sideline is bad. It's just that I don't think they have the right peers to tell them to like, like, like write the first idea that comes to your mind. And then somebody needs to take that and like burn it in front of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Write the next one. You know what I mean? And then they won't realize in that moment, it may seem very defeating and discouraging. Mm-hmm. People need to eat their ashes is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. They need to eat the ashes of all the ideas that they, that they were afraid to like to burn and let blow into the wind. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think what it is, is that, um, and I don't think, and I don't know what the answer is. It's cause like, you know, certain artistic pursuits, you know, like there's the person who wants to like go to, there's the person who wants to make movies and the person who wants to, um, because they love, cause they think in a four by three or 16 by nine, you know what I mean? Mm. Like their imagination is just, uh, they just paint the picture in the shape of a film frame. Mm-hmm. There are people who want to make movies like that. And then there are people who want to make movies because they want to get a job that they think is going to quote unquote be fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think what's the problem is, is that it's hard for those people to admit either they want it as a job or because they want to create things like, you know, before Pixar, when people wanted to get into animation, people would make some really strange esoteric experimental shit. And then Pixar happened and everybody thinks they're going to do that when they go fucking, when they go to school. And I'm like, a part of me just, I feel like the people (laughs) who need to make movies or need to innovate film are the people who don't watch movies or make films, you know, are the people who don't know the the rules, who don't know, um, they they don't know the rules. They don't know the tropes. They don't adopt the cliches. Mm -hmm. They pick up a camera and by accident create something amazing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the the same could be said about imagination. Like I don't feel like people should to use it within the context of film or film school. 
don't go to film school, go to films, watch movies recreationally, because just because you watch movies doesn't mean that you should be making movies. But if you do make movies, then don't make, don't make the movie you've already seen, make the movie you haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. I feel like that thing with like, uh, you know, I don't know if a professor or a teacher is going to really pull out of you individually or exercise with you, your imagination. Yeah. I think yeah. everything just starts with the imagination and then you find tools, which yeah. is the creative element, mm-hmm. to, um, I guess, uh, materialize mm-hmm. your imagination. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you want to materialize your imagination? Because um, <clears throat> you want to see a reflection of yourself that you don't necessarily know how to put into words or express in any other way? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that you want to share with others? Because the reason why I want to make movies, honestly, and I really sat down and I had to admit this to myself, reason I want to make movies or make anything like make music, make write, write, write make films is because I don't want to die. And the only way I can ever truly be immortal is in the byproduct of what I produce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also hopefully try to touch as many people as I can that, uh, I feel have, you know, that, that really teach me a lot of either about myself or about them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So like it all, again, it's like people need to, um, just, I feel like there's a lot of introspection in expression and some people kind of get trapped in the overthinking of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what helps is by actually doing, you know, by doing it without trying to prove anything to anyone else. That's the yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. No, because a lot of people will make art, but it's all text and no subtext. And it's because they're trying to prove something. They're trying to prove to themselves that they could say something that other people will read in the exact same way. That kind of art to me is boring. I want something that I think I get or makes me think I get, but I really have no fucking clue. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's the type of shit I like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And not just in film, but in general. Yeah. You know, where like, I don't know what the fuck Ronnie James Dio is talking about when he says ride the tiger. You could see his right. stripes because you know he's clean. I don't, and he says, you know what I mean? And I'm always shouting at the record like, no, I don't, but I don't give a shit. Yeah. They got the horns on and this groove rips, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. So like for years, I was always just like, what the fuck does he mean? Until it came to the point where I was like, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Except at the same time, it's like, I don't want to be advocating a cryptic message that may actually like baby may have like the agenda or the intention or maybe rooted mm-hmm. in something that is like harmful or hateful, mm-hmm. but Dio isn't. Yeah. And you could see that within the context and the body of the rest of his work. Yeah. And that's another thing where it's like, you know, I'm not saying that somebody has to like this, like bl- um, blank song. Cause they didn't know that it was like uh anti-Semitic, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, but what I'm saying is that if you want it, that, you know, everything's available to you. There are no secrets anymore. With the advent of the internet, you can find everything about everything. Yeah. So it's like one of those things where it's like, um, if you hear one song that you like by a band, but then like try listening to their other songs and then evaluate and assess without yeah. thinking that you have to be all of one thing right. that is, you know, like I feel like what you like or what you adore should be an extension of you, not a reflection of you. Um, but also at the same time, I feel like with good conscience, mm-hmm. you should be able to navigate what it is you're doing. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah, I think you did. <laughs> but um, everyone, ha- you know, some people, ex- it's weird because 
people have their imagination works in different ways. Some people don't have that what I have where I can visualize or materialize exactly how I want something to look or how I'd imagine it looking. Mm. Some people might just juxtapose um, the words or they might see it in a color. Mm. Um, like one of my friends who's a graphic designer, she says that she can't materialize certain visuals in her head like other people can, but she's a graphic designer and her design is great. She almost knows and understands the science of color and design. Mm. Um, even if she can't like imagine <laughs> something esoteric and in, in the, in, in the dark space and in, in the empty stage of her inner head, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I wanted to ask if there was anything else you want to talk about the film. Um, Did we miss anything that you wanted to highlight? Is there anything, is there anything that you wanted to ask that I may have not have touched? I don't think so. Okay. As do you? Yeah. I want to make the movie 90 minutes long. I want it to be killer. Not mm-hmm. mediocre. A killer, no filler. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right. Now we're going to completely switch gears. Give it. Are you ready? Yeah. Now we're going to go into Kiss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> this is your question, so I'm going to shoot it, it to back me. to you. Okay. If there, if there was a movie about <laughs> Kiss, but it didn't have the members of Kiss in it, and Liza Minnelli was playing the part of Paul Stanley, uh-huh. would you be offended or would you be No, like, that would good. be perfect. <laughs> and someone, and, 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 and if the cowardly lion was uh, yeah. a real person, yes, they would yes. play Ace Freely because that's who he looks like now. Yes. Um, how, like f- oh man, no, not at all. Okay. That's the way the movie should be made. Right. The fact that it won't be made that way is a complete <laughs> disservice to the universe. And I'm not saying that ironically, like seriously, the only other person that could play Paul Stanley, if they made a kiss movie in the seventies is Tim Curry. But if he mm-hmm. only played like Dr. Frankenfurt yeah. again, yeah, yeah. Okay. you know, like, um, yeah, no, okay. that movie needs to fucking happen. Hmm. Who would play the other fucking so we so we have Liza Minnelli, the Cowardly Lion, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then who would play the other two? I don't, I can't think of it right now. Mm. But yeah, that movie, whew, that's the Kiss movie in my head. Okay. Except the thing is, though, is that like, because there's the Kiss movie that's going to be made by Netflix, the Kiss drama that's mm. actually being made now. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Kiss Kiss is producing the uh, uh, a Kiss biofilm. Of course they are. Exactly. And they're probably going to get the most like beautiful chiseled man to play Gene Simmons. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) um, No, but the thing is, is that, you know, they have to make a movie the, an hour and 40 long. They have to take so many artistic liberties. They, you know, it's probably going to be like, I don't know. It might be a little more awkward and janky than the, um, personally than the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, which I thought was awkward and jakey in Mm -hmm. its own way. Mm -hmm. When I saw the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, it felt like a movie where some producer in Hollywood was sick and tired of spending more money to renew the contract of this movie potentially getting made than actually made it. Mm -hmm. Making it. That just said, fuck it, we'll make it, and we'll just gloss over a lot of details, and we'll just have the greatest hits of the soundtrack, and we'll just repurpose it. Just so it's streamlined and focused and it's done. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like the Kiss movie, I don't feel like anyone in Hollywood's been renewing the license to make a Kiss movie for years. I feel like it's just like, I think it's gonna, it might be a little awkward because you don't have the overhead, the pressure mm-hmm. of being like, get it right. Yeah. You might just have 
Gene Simmons trying to be king hot shit, mm-hmm. Paul Stanley being uh, the magical, mystical unicorn that he is. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. just might have this atmosphere where it's like, I don't know what fucking movie we're making, but yeah, we're okay. going to do it anyway. And yeah. then you might get something that's like, whoa, wow. <laughs> the thing is, though, is that I don't know what angle they're going to take. Because if I made a Kiss movie, I, because I'm such a, I would be the wrong guy to make a Kiss movie because. Being a fan, I would talk about the parts of Kiss that nobody finds interesting mm-hmm. and make that as just like a montage of uh, moments. Like I would be like my movie would open with like <laughs> with Disco Kiss and then I would talk about the making of the elder. And then I would talk about like uh, Vinnie Vincent being hired and fired over his coke addiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like that would be the shit that I would. But it would also be like. You know, I would want Kiss to write new songs, <laughs> and it would be a musical, and it would be a musical. Yeah, it would be. It would be fucking ridiculous, you know. <laughs> and I'd have Kiss in the movie, like actually, like looking at the. What I would want to do is, I want to have like Paul and Gene telling their version of the story, and then the whole movie is like a dramatization, but we retell the same story. But from their different, from their points of view, yes. from how they yeah. tell it, you know, mm-hmm. and that would be my movie, and it would probably be like two and a half hours long. It would be like American Splendor almost. Mm. It would be like <laughs> if it would be like if Rocket Man uh, meets American Splendor, and that would be my Kiss movie. <laughs> I love it. Fuck yeah! It sounds oh. crazy. Oh yeah, but so is Kiss. <laughs> yeah. oh, thank you for asking me that. That made me happy. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't really nonsense. Give it to me. You can only choose one. Shit. John Carpenter or John Waters. Okay. <clears throat> the other one never existed. Oh my God. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hear me out. Okay. Okay. As much as I want to say John Carpenter, because. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I've gotten older, John Waters has annoyed me mm-hmm. because he's all about, he's just hyper, he just sensationalizes everything and everything's filthy and filthy is mainstream. And oh my God, like, <laughs> it's just like, so like, okay, I get it. Yeah. You like, you revel in the, like <laughs> the dysfunctional misfortune of other people. And you find it through the, you know, through the guys, you see it through the point of view of like absurdity and through, you know, how the American system has failed, but this is the American dream, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Um, but if it wasn't for John Waters, I wouldn't have seen Hairspray at like three or four years old. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have seen Ricky Lake and I wouldn't have known in that moment that I like women mm-hmm. and that I like women like Ricky Lake. <laughs> so, cause John waters, cause that was the movie that I saw at a formative age where I was like, Oh, I really like this woman. I don't know why. And then I get older and I'm like, Oh yeah, she's really hot. Mm. Oh baby. Thank you, John waters. Oh, thank you, Ricky. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so that's the thing. Like, I don't know if John waters never existed. I probably would have found it. And I probably would have had that coming of age moment. Yeah through another form of media. I'd mm-hmm. rather it be through movie like Hairspray than like pornography. Yeah. Personally speaking, mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a prude about that sort of thing, but <laughs> that's another story. But, um, but, uh, or, you know, I also, um, 
have a weird, I don't know if it's weird. Maybe it's just weird because I haven't talked about it a lot. I also have like an attraction to a certain era of John Candy, which like I was watching Uncle Buck and I was like, John Candy's really hot in this movie. Mm. And I think I said that out loud and everyone looked at me and they're like, what? And I was like, <laughs> I'm really hot. <laughs> well, this movie's on. Oh, Does anyone God. have any candy? Yeah, right. John? <laughs> um, no. So like, so I don't know. So that might be a thing. So like, it's really hard for me to say because it's also cool. It's inspiring for me to want to make a movie because um, with a movie, like people forget that or a lot of people who want to invest in films, you know, a movie like Pink Flamingos, they may have never seen or it may not be their kind of movie. But the reason why John Waters is able to have a film career is because he just knew the weirdest fucking people at 25 mm. gave him a story and filmed them. Mm. And that's fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. And so many people think they can do that, but they can't mm -hmm. because they don't know the right people or they're just not John Waters. They don't... Mm. Like, Plank Flamingo shouldn't have happened in the way it did. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it did is so one in a million. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize that they're trying to commoditize and find the science to it. But there is no science. It just happened. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to have to say, that's weird too, because if John Carpenter didn't make movies like Assault in Precinct 13 or Escape from New York, then that wouldn't have influenced the type of movies I made. You know what? I'm going to say... John, if John Carpenter never existed, okay, I'm gonna say that, okay. and it's not because I don't like John Carpenter, mm -hmm. but it's because um, I want to know the type of person I would become if I had never seen a John Carpenter. Movie. Mm, okay, and because of like, I'd probably because I'm wondering if <laughs> if um. I didn't become so queer because I had John Carpenter's movies to counter John Waters' movies. Mm, okay. <laughs> to like, to, 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 uh, formatively mm -hmm. lean on. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm. those, like, just those, like, typical hyper masculine cowboy archetypes, which I, it was not an archetype that I love or fond of, or I care more about is like his atmosphere and his pacing and the way yeah. he tells a story. And Salt and Precinct 13 is my favorite John Carpenter movie. Um, <clears throat> But if those movies didn't exist, and if at a formative age, if I leaned more heavily towards the hairspray route, I think I'd become a more, I was just say, I think I'd become a more confident, um, cynical, and unaware. Unaware. Yeah. I think I'd be a lot weirder. But not in a, in a good way. In a way that's both good and bad. I feel like in a way where it's like, it's Trav's world and he lives in it. Uh, he's doing his thing. I like, I would so first of all, I probably wouldn't be in Christ because I have the John Carpenter to like pursue the the mentality of being in a heavy metal band, but I have the John Waters to wear a Lizzo shirt and a purple jacket. Yes. So okay. like, <laughs> so I wouldn't be in Christ if John Carpenter never existed. Mm. I would be in some flamboyant uh, Paul Stanley um, stage show. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to say, I, I want to see the alternate universe that I may hypothetically live in if John Carpenter didn't exist. Okay. Thank you. That is a fantastic answer. Yeah. Thank yes. you. That's like a thesis answer. Cool. Mm. I like yeah, it. Yeah, man. Sweet. Thank Very you. Nice. Thank you. If there was a movie being made about the life of Travis, yes. who would play your character? Like a famous actor. 
Well, Seth Rogen would do my voice. Okay. He would dub it in. Okay. You know. Um, oh, yeah. I hear that. Yeah. 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 yeah right on. Yeah. Um, but to play me, first of all, I wouldn't want to be involved. Not because I would think that they would slander my name or insult me or anything. Not at all. I would willingly embrace it and I would laugh my ass off at everything they got wrong. But I also want to see their interpretation of me and what they think of me. <laughs> they would yeah. have play me. Um, personally, <laughs> I'd my dream uh, person to play me would either be Henry Rollins. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> but that's just me like projecting some sort of like, you know, fawning fantasy and like delusion. Henry now or Henry younger? Probably Henry now. Okay. <laughs> to okay. play me, you know Interesting. what I mean? Yeah. Because <laughs> I would want them, because if they were to make a movie about me, mm-hmm. I'd want it to not be a, about my life. Mm-hmm. I'd want it to be like a new adventure of Travis, mm-hmm. but inspired by events or my personality traits. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I would want them to do that. So like, I would want them to create like a fan fiction version I want them to make the sequel, a hypothetical movie sequel of my life. Okay. Um, or I would have, um, I, what is it? I don't know her name. I'm not a big fan of the show, but there's a character named Barb on Stranger Things. And I would have her, and I would probably have her play me. Okay. Um, and that would probably be more accurate. I would probably, yeah. So it would be one of those two. Either I got Barbara Henry Rollins. I gotta know. Okay. Yeah, I gotta know her name, and I feel bad that I can't remember her name right now. But the woman who plays, she's like in two episodes, mm. and there was something even when I was watching the show that I was like, I would have her play me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, so yeah, it's either the woman who plays Barb in Stranger Things or Henry Rollins. Okay, that's yeah, that sounds weird. But yeah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> We want to thank you so much. Yeah, thank well, no, thank you. I appreciate. Thank you. Just thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. We can't wait. It's my for pleasure. The nuclear salt show. I can't wait see for the nuclear play. salt show. I can't wait to see me play. Seriously. And the movie. Oh well. <laughs> Hopefully, someone funds it. Oh well, yeah. Happens. Well, it's, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> you're, you're gonna make some. I know you're gonna. Just I know. when it's right. Yeah, exactly. I have to. Mm-hmm. There's no other option for mm-hmm. me in my uh, in the path that I've chosen for myself. Mm-hmm. There is none. Either I, I'm, I make it or die. Mm-hmm. Word. Mm-hmm. So, thank you. Thank but in you. the meantime, yes. Listen to Christ. Yes. Go to the Nuclear Salt Show October sixteenth. And check. Yes. Go to the Nuclear Salt Show on October sixteenth, and check out Blue Murder Movie yes. on social media. Yes. Uh, there's an Instagram, but tonight, the um, proof of concept trailer will be launched. And we'll link it. Yes, link it. Link it, don't sink it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks to Travis for coming on for a second time to talk about his proof of concept, what's going on with Christ. Yes. I always enjoy Travis. Absolutely. We had a really fun day. Yeah. Yep, for sure. And I'm looking forward to seeing Christ play first time in uh, almost two years. Yep. Awesome. This coming Saturday, Photo City. Yep. Nuclear assault. Rotten UK, moment of truth. Doesn't get any better. That's right. It's going to be fun. All right. When you say we get the hell out of here. All right. Yes. And stay tuned for Travis's movie. Yes. 
We are going to end with a nuclear assault. Yes, we are. We're going to close it out with the song Lies off of the Pounder EP. All right. Until next time. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Don't be an asshole. And? Remember, it's okay to eat your ashes. Ah. Let's hear a Christ song. No. All right. What? No, no, I didn't say it right. All right. <laughs> I bit my tongue. <laughs> Your tongue goo. <laughs> my tongue goo.